I'm going to move down here. Otherwise, I'm going to crinkle around up there for about half an hour. So, A buddy of mine once moved uh, to Louisiana, and uh, they were putting in a new stage, so they just had plywood, and uh, he, he was not packed. He got there Saturday night, and he couldn't find his dress shoes. The only thing he could find was his golf shoes. So he clacked around, and it happened to be the, the week I, was, I had just gone down to, uh, to, to do a, a mission minute kind of a thing there. At the, so so I, I was there for, the, for his class and watching that. That was pretty funny. Um, I do feel like I should be speaking in pirate this morning. However, um, it, comes kind of, it comes out like an angry leprechaun, so I won't do that. Um, when, we, when I was putting together this series, I actually put it t- together last year, uh, and uh, it was kind of interesting. I really haven't edited it that much as far as the order. The, the sermon that I'm giving you kind of works well with our VBS theme. Uh, I'm just going <coughs> to click over to that. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says that... Uh, By this we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. That was this week's sermon. Kind of interesting. Now, when we talk about the captain... Uh, what does this mean? Originally, when I had uh, set up this month of, of sermons, um, I had two uh, that, as I started working on this, I started doing some research and realized that I had two different sermons that were actually the same title because they're the same Greek word, and I won't bore you with the Greek word, but uh, that are translated as two different titles in different places uh, for, for Christ. And I'm like, well, now that's Kind of weird. The problem was is that they're so diverse in, in the English translation that you wouldn't think that they're connected at all. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, now do I make this one sermon or two? Um, and and I, I, I was like, well, originally I'm just going to make this two because they're so different. And um, as I'm writing this message and as I'm preparing it, I didn't know exactly how this happened. I always let a sermon go where it's going to go uh, when, I, when I prepare it. About halfway through, the two titles came together. So it is now one sermon. Uh, and I have to fill the space <laughs> later in the month. So, fortunately, there's 150 titles of Christ. So we have a few to choose from. What captain means. Um, sometimes this is translated as the word prince. Um, but that's not the word prince as in royalty. Prince. That, that word is used much more often. This word only appears like three or four times in our New Testament. It's a, a different sense of the, the concept of prince. Uh, emperors often, what they would do is place their generals that were their sons. Uh, and, and that's more the concept here. Is more, I know we, we just talked kind of a little bit of military and talked about conquest. We're going to end up going back there a little bit. But they did this largely because they didn't trust anybody else. Generals wanted to become emperors. And the way to do that is to, to kill the sitting emperor. Well, if, if your guy is, your general is your son, then, you know, you hope that he at least waits till you're out of the way. That didn't always work so well either. Um, but, um, but there was a better, a better chance of that happening, you know, because they, they know they have the throne eventually. 
Um, for example, the, we, we read about the, the, the fall of Jerusalem. And, and the, the emperor at the time was Vespasian. Well, the, the general who oversaw that was Titus, who was his son. And so, so that's kind of how that happened. And, and, and this is the idea, a little bit more of the idea of a prince. Not so much the idea of the royalty and the, and the crowns and all that, but the, the, the idea of the successor, uh, the conquering successor. And I don't want to spend all of, of this sermon revisiting the idea of conquest, but we are going to talk a little bit about conquest, but a, from a different perspective from what we talked about last week. And that brings us to uh, one of, some of your translations will not say the captain of their salvation, but they will say the pioneer of salvation. And that, that's kind of one of the things that we, we think of when we think of captains of ships, or it, it's not just... Uh, it, it, it's not just being in charge, but it's the idea of wanting to go places and, and, and explore and, and go places that have never been. And that was a lot of the idea of conquest even, was, was this idea of wanting to go where, where no man has gone before, right? And uh, let, let's, let's sail around the ocean and sail, sail around the, this way and get to India, or let's, let's do this great thing. That was a, the, the, one of the concepts that, that we look at. And that sounds... Maybe that's more appealing because it's decidedly less militaristic, uh, more appealing. And this is kind of the the idea of of Hebrews brings up later in the passage, and I'm not, there we go. Um, He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is the same concept. Now, this is not the same word, but it's the same idea that, that Christ is a forerunner. He's gone somewhere on our behalf. He's pioneered something. He's the first to do things. That is a, a comforting thing, to know that you're following somewhere where someone's been before. Now, Unfortunately, this word for pioneer or forerunner is also militaristic. I apologize for that. I didn't write the Bible. Um, it's more like the sense of a scout, right? The spies that would spy out a land. It's a scout. To go ahead of and, and to, to make sure what, what, what are our objectives? What are the things we're going to face? And so uh, when I picked this title for today, I didn't know it was going to go here. Uh, but I do want to talk about the nature of conquest. And the first, let us talk about what it is a conquest of. He is the captain of salvation. We have great pictures of victory in our mind when we think of royalty and we think of princes and generals and all these things. We, we talk about victory and conquest. We have these pictures in our mind that are the white horse, right? Triumph, the triumphal entry. Thrones and crowns and majesty. And we like these pictures. But Christ was a captain of salvation. It wasn't of lands conquered. Well, there was a little bit of that, I suppose. And we talked about that. Where, where Christ has gone and and changed the order of things, but Christ is primarily a captain of salvation. That's what he did. Well, when we talk about conquest, we need to talk about 
how he did it. And we'll spend a little bit more time there. He did it by suffering. This is not the picture that we think of. This is not the swords and the battles that, that we're wanting to associate with victory. But Christ was perfected through suffering. It says that he, he, it, was, it was fitting to, for him to be perfected by suffering. Now, <clears throat> we have to stop for just a second. And because this is where we're going to start to encounter this other word. And we'll get to that in just a second. This other meaning of this word, captain. When we say that Christ was perfected, well, if you perfect something, right? I, I perfect, uh, you know, a cook perfects a recipe or, or someone perfects their painting or whatever. It suggests what? It suggests that it's not perfect at some point in time. And so when we read that, that, that Christ had to be perfected, we almost think, wait a minute. Christ wasn't perfect? If he had to be perfected, then was he not perfect? Well, again, words mean things. And, and so we have an English definition that doesn't exactly fit the intended meaning. The, the idea is of being complete. There was a point in time where Christ wasn't complete. Right? He was always perfect as we think of being sinlessly perfect. But a pioneer... A pioneer has to get where he's wanting to go. Right? Everyone was, was trying to figure out and find these new lands, and they all wanted to be the first one there. Well, if you only get halfway and turn around and go back, well, no one remembers those people. History for, has forgotten those people that didn't do it. The people that accomplished it, they are the pioneers. Right? So we remember Lewis and Clark. We remember people that, that did great things and accomplished and, and overcame all these odds and they completed their task. They're the ones who get their names in the history books. And so, so Christ as a pioneer, it wasn't just good for him to start out on this mission, but he had to be completed. God says he had to be perfected. He had to be completed through this process of suffering. That was the way to be a true pioneer. Well, that's the story of pioneering anything, is a lot of suffering. Right? Read any journals of people who have ever pioneered anything. It is, a, it is a history of suffering and of failure and of this attempt and that attempt. Read Thomas Edison's history and, and the, the, the numerous number of, uh, of, of failures along the path to, to these great inventions. To state it another way, it's not just good to start something, it's how you finish. And that's where we find this other title. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. We've read this how many hundreds of times? We've probably read this verse. Maybe thousands of times we've read this verse. And the, the sin which clings so closely, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. And this word author is the same word as captain. Now you see, like, how in the world are these connected? And, and, and it was right at this point where I'm like, they came together, and I'm still not quite sure how that happened. 
But he's, he's the, it has nothing to do with writing. But he's the, the one that the authors, that, that the originator is really more the concept. This pioneer. But he didn't just start it. He had to be the finisher of faith. He had to complete it. And again, we see endurance. We see in this text the concept of suffering. And translators smarter than me have figured out that one should be author and one should be captain or pioneer. So I'm just going to defer to them. But again, we notice the the process of perfection is suffering. He decided that is uh, to establish a faith and secure salvation for everybody. He was going to have to suffer. That's how he was a pioneer. He defeated death by suffering. Well, Oh, I did want to notice one thing. The word our in, in this translation is not original. I, did, I forgot to put that in my notes as I was reading. He is the author. He's not just the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author and finisher of the concept of faith. And that's really the idea here. Faith is in only, or genuine faith is in only one place. It is in the one who pioneered it. Uh, so as we look at Knowing the captain, we, we understand now what, oh, this word means that, and that here's the same word over here, and, and this is what they, they kind of have to do with. But again, we have a different way of, of knowing Christ. And so, Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 30 says this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and his wife and children... Brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down, count the cost, whether he has come uh, or has enough to complete it. And otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, everyone who sees it will mock him and say, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And in this text, we're going to look at a couple of points that show us this process of knowing Christ. Not knowing about Him, but knowing Him intimately. To pioneer something implies one fact. If you are the first to do it, that means other people must do it after you. I mean, if you're the first... And there was no, no one wants to go there. Well, then you're not the first. You're the only. He wasn't the pioneer for himself. He was the pioneer for others. And so it implies that people follow. And that we see that in this very text. Come and follow me. Come and do what I did. I did it so that you could see that it could be done. To know the captain means to get on board and go where the captain's going. Are you in this with him? There are two basic actions involved in pursuit. And they're, they're kind of 
in here. First is to assess. He, says, he talks about, listen, you've got to count the cost. You've got to understand what, what it is going to require. This is not going to be easy because I perfected this, I perfected this journey. I know it. I've been here. It's going to require a lot. And we see that the cost is pretty expensive. The topic, again, is of suffering, is of loss, is of all these challenges on the path. So assess the requirements and accept the challenge. Pick it up. Take up the cross. Take up that challenge. And that is where we start to get a relationship with the captain. That's where it starts. He is the author and the finisher, and, and he's the originator. And, and so every, every journey starts somewhere. Begin. The second thing is to finish. The whole point of starting is finishing. We live in a world that emphasizes process. Our, 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 our world now loves process. Oh, process, process. I moved to Iowa in 1993. Um, I moved to Ottumwa, Iowa in 1993, and you guys don't know anything significant about Ottumwa. Uh, that is the home of Tom Arnold. In fact, the, the Bible college I attended was two doors down from his house. Uh, and... Um, in 1993, Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr were building a huge mansion about six miles away or so in Eldon, Iowa. That was the big news when I got there. 1995, they got a divorce. Uh, they had this multi-million dollar property, and so now everything stopped. It was so expensive that they weren't able to tear it down. Neither one wanted it because it wasn't finished. Um, so, what to do? Well, there it is today. Uh, that's a... It's, it's changed hands. They, they donated it to a local community college who really couldn't do anything. They're like, okay, thanks. They sold it, is what they did, and made a little money off of it. But it's just kind of gone derelict now. And it was a joke. It was a standing joke in Iowa. Because you started and invested all this money and didn't finish. And God says, yep. That's what happens. If you start something and you can't finish. You know that um, I, I read a poll recently that about 40% of our uh, people under 40 do not know that the, what a purpose of a corporation is. The purpose of a corporation, they do not know that the purpose of a corporation is to make a profit. They identified uh, various things as the purpose of a corporation, providing jobs or giving benefits. That's the purpose of a job. Uh, that's the purpose of the company's side. Some of them even listed things like... Um, Social or political activism, 
was something that's the purpose of a corporation. I could not identify it. We live in a generation that is paralyzed by process. They see all the process. They don't realize the objective. They, those are all things which are good to have as benefits, but they, 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 we live in a world that can't differentiate between process and the goal. And, and so, so many people don't realize the importance of finishing things. We start, and because process is so important, finishing is not really that important. And that is coming into the church where, where the process is wonderful. Let's have meetings and let's do this and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And there's nothing in the way of making sure we get to the objective. That is the thing. But Christ was a pioneer. He's not a pioneer of process. Process is important. How you do things, obviously, the ends doesn't justify the means. Many years ago, this is not a new thing, by the way. A hundred years ago, a guy said, uh, some athlete who wasn't good enough, I guess, to be an athlete, so he became a, a commentator, said it's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. No. Another coach said, if it's just a game, why do they keep score?" That's Vince Lombardi. It's an objective. There's an objective. And it is the outcome that is important in the final analysis. And we can blur the lines, and people do, between proper and improper means. But we do need to know the difference between the ends and the means. Right? Another athlete said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, that's not exactly accurate either. I don't advocate that. But we need to observe that Christ maintained integrity while keeping the goal in mind. He always had the objective in his mind. In Luke 9, 51, I love this verse. It's a, just a, a really short verse, and it gives us the idea of what we're trying to talk about. It says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face towards Jerusalem. Set it in stone. He steeled himself. These are the objectives, the, the, the words that describe the objective. And think about those phrases that we have, set in stone, steel. They're, they're always firm. There's, there's absolute no deterrence from the objective. Rigid. This is where we're going. We are going towards salvation because someone went there and did the whole thing already. And there's a path there. It's been pioneered. Someone's beat down the bushes for us. So as we close, we look at two things here. Well, one thing really. A challenge. Find something difficult to do because it involves suffering and do it.
Find something that Christ has done and do it. If it's easy, then you're not on a path that Christ has pioneered. Because Christ pioneered a difficult path. No, it's easier for him having done it. But Christ, Christ didn't go where it was lilies and daisies. That's, that's not. He didn't go through a garden path for us. Christ pioneered a difficult path. So find something that takes you out of your comfort zone and do it. A lot of people have done that in the last couple of weeks and months. Do something difficult. Do something you've not done. There's two aspects of this that I want to just close with real briefly. One is to start. Perhaps you have not started yet. Perhaps you've done a little analysis and you've thought about whether or not you should start. Then start. We've counted the cost. Now start. There is a place right behind that screen that says the journey starts here. Where you meet your pioneer, and embark on a journey of salvation. And for those who have already taken that step, understand that the objective is now to finish. To do something difficult, and to pick something difficult and continue, whether there are setbacks, or whether there's obstacles, whether there's suffering. That is the path we've chosen. The path that goes behind a pioneer.